At U.S. Cellular, you can get one line for just $29.99 with unlimited data, which is good news for you, friendly hermit who shuns society and lives in a cabin all by himself. Wow, thanks. You know, you'd be surprised how much data a hermit goes through. Actually, I'm not that surprised at all. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. We value human connection with fewer distractions. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Visit your U.S. Cellular authorized agent, Cellular Advantage, located at 918 Locust Street in Glenwood. Welcome to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So, let's live our best lives, one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. Hi everybody, we are so glad that you're here. Welcome to episode 13 of the Life Lessons Podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm doing okay. That's good. Anything new going on with you? Well, unfortunately, I'm in under the weather for like the last 10 days. So I apologize in advance. My throat is a little froggy. You might hear me clearing it today. I know that's hard because you are such an active, on-the-go kind of person. It's hard to take it easy. It is. It's mentally hard for me right. to downshift and and be, what do you call it, a patient instead of a right. caregiver. <laughs> but I think I'm turning the corner. Hopefully, I'll be well enough to go back to work this weekend. That's good. That's good. How are you been doing? You using that sauna? Oh, every day. I'm loving it. Yep. I, every day. Well, I, I say I've been going in every day. Yesterday, I didn't have time to go in because I had to record a podcast at nine in the morning. And so I had to go ahead and shower and get ready. I mean, I guess I could not be showered and ready before I record the podcast. But even though I'm at home and no one can see me, I feel like I ha- I'm at work. So I have to be like ready for the day. That makes sense. So, so yesterday I didn't get in it, but I'm getting in pretty much every day and I love it. I have found that I can even get in like like maybe after we're done, I could go get in. If I set it to like 90, it just feels so good. It's not like the the actual, you know, detoxing sauna temperature, but it feels like heaven. I saw that Jackson was in there with you the other day. Yeah. Yeah. My old cat. <laughs> I bet he loved it. Yes. He's about 18. So he got in there and he was so happy. I get what you mean, though, about putting on your makeup. You know, I feel like crud and I have not really fixed myself up and over a week. And I started to get up and I put a little makeup on today. And my husband's like, what? Jen does not care what you look like. (laughs) I don't. I, I said, look, I just feel better. And I think I'll feel more well to record if I look better. That's even the way I feel. Yeah. Even though I'm wearing jammies. She is wearing <laughs> jammies. I can I can tell you all that. And look, I'm wearing a sweatshirt. That's my favorite sweatshirt too. I like it. I got it at the beach. Were you with me when I bought it? No, but you wore it right after you bought it. Yeah. It says I'm a complicated order. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cute. Uh, 
All right. Well, today and every day, we start our show with a good news segment. And um, these come from our listeners. And we really depend on you guys to send us your good news stories. Because Jen and I can look up good news stories all day. But we really like to share stories that, you know, hit home with you and then share them with our listeners. So Jennifer wrote in and she said, this is a story from a friend of mine from Wisconsin. She recently shared this story with me and I thought it was really heartwarming. I love her huge heart. Her friend Lisa wrote, I answered my daughter's phone today. I assumed it was just another telemarketer and I put it on speakerphone and the kindest, most gentle elderly voice said, Rosie, are you there? Rosie, is that you? I grabbed the phone and told the gentleman that I was not Rosie. He proceeded to tell me that he was looking for his friend Rosie as they always talk over the holidays and he hadn't heard from her. I explained that we got this phone number a few months ago and that I was indeed not Rosie, but that apparently we did have her phone number. I learned how he and Rosie and her husband Todd had spent many years together in Minoqua. I hope I said that right. That's probably how I would have said it. Ice fishing snowmobiling, and having so much fun. It turns out my new friend is 90 years young and was really missing his friends. I asked him if he had time for me to try to help him find his friend, that I could try and look her up on my phone for him. And he said, oh yeah, that would be great. I was able to locate his friend Rosie through a simple Google search, and it turns out she went to the eternal gates of heaven in March. I did not have the heart to tell my new friend Dawn of his friend's passing. My body was shaking and tears started to fall. We reminisced some more and I told him how his friend sure seemed like somebody that I would love to be friends with. And he too sounded like such a wonderful human being. He asked us to call him if I found his friend. Then he wished us the happiest of holidays and we did the same in return. After we hung up, I read the obituary more thoroughly and wow, did Dawn's friend Rosie sure remind me of my grandma. The family members were listed, and I remember Dawn talking about Rosie's daughter. So with another Google search, I was able to find Rosie's daughter's phone number. I called the number, and I was so grateful that someone answered. I explained who I was, that my daughter got her amazing mother's phone number, and that her mother's dear friend Dawn was wanting to get in touch with Rosie. I told her all about the conversation that Dawn and I had, how her mom seemed like somebody I would have cherished, just like her friend Dawn. She told me that Rosie passed in March and how she thought she remembered her mom's friend Dawn and that she would call him back. And she thanked me for the call. My heart breaks for my new friend Dawn, but I am so grateful that I answered the phone. I will never forget this moment. Hug your friends tightly. Family too. I'm wishing Dawn and Rosie's family peace and comfort knowing Rosie was loved so much. Wow. That one just really hits you, doesn't it? That's another one that kind of goes above and beyond You shared that story way early when we started recording about the lady who found the the baby blanket that her grandmother had knit. And that's kind of what this reminded me of. Just taking that extra extra step, going that extra mile and caring about the person on the other end of of the phone, even though you've never met them. Yeah. You know, and I think that this story illustrates we're, we're feeling so, if you watch the news, you feel like we're broken as a society and and that, you know, whatever side you're on, the other side is awful and everything is terrible. But, but I don't think that's true. You know, I think that we are still very much a society that cares about one another deeply mm-hmm. and we just live our lives, you know, like, like in this story, we really do all 
want to connect and, and people are good. Yeah. And one of the reasons I really wanted to do this segment every week is because I do feel like we get hung up on the negative right. and and the, the bad news and the stressful news. And there's good news out there. It's just not being covered on, you know, national and local media because, you know, it's not what draws listeners in like these big things. And I really think that more people are kind and good at heart than aren't. Yeah, we're not. And if the more you take time to like really notice it, my friend came into work one night and I'd worked the night shift. She was working the day shift and relieving me. And she said she hadn't slept in a week. And I said, why? What's going on? And she's just everything in the news. I'm so stressed out. And I said, I have a really good solution for you. Turn it off. Turn it off. Stop watching it. Stop following every article. I said, I wouldn't be able to sleep either. If I, and I know she does, they have the news playing 24 seven in their living room and they're constantly listening to it and they're so immersed in it. And I was like, turn it off, turn it off. And, and instead focus on something good, how you can help others in your community and how you can connect with people just with a smile at the store over your mask, smile with your eyes, you know, just people, you know, assume the best of people. That's what I like to do. Well, and I got caught up in that early in the COVID pandemic because, you know, I do work at the hospital. I was seeing it in the hospital. I wanted to understand it more. I wanted to understand what was going on. But it soon became too much because I was immersed in it at work. And then I was like completely immersed in it at home on my days off. I was reading all about it and watching the statistics. And it was really stressing me out. And I thought, you know what? I have to go live it three to four days a week. I don't have to live it at home in my home. So I just stopped. I just stopped following it at home. You know, I would come into work and I'd be like, okay, what's changed this week? And I would just take it on a, you know, week by week basis at work. And that just brought me so much relief and peace. Good. That's a great tip. And I really, you know, let's focus on the good and how we can love one another. That's really the key. Absolutely. So listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. Before we get to the life lesson this week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast. Jen and I love Beauty Counter because they make it easy for us to find safe makeup and skincare products. Beauty Counter has the Never List, which is made up of more than 1,800 questionable or harmful chemicals that they will never use as ingredients in their products. This includes the over 1,400 chemicals that are banned or restricted in personal care products by the European Union, plus additional chemicals screened by Beauty Counter and found to be of concern. Once you try Beauty Counter, we'd like to invite you to become a Band of Beauty member. It's kind of like Amazon Prime for skincare, and it pays for itself on your first order. To join, go to the menu and select Become a Member when ordering. Band of Beauty members receive free shipping on qualifying orders of $100 or more, 10% product credit on applicable orders, a welcome gift when you spend $50 on products when enrolling, and member-exclusive offers. I truly love their Skin Twin Foundation and the countertime products. I have not experienced the breakouts that many people are experiencing due to wearing masks all day. And I spend 12 to 14 hours on shift in the ER 
wearing a mask, and my skin looks as clear as ever. I really credit the quality skincare products and makeup from Beauty Counter for helping keep my skin clean, clear, and beautiful. You can go to beautycounter.com slash Sherry Bullock, S-H-E-R-I-B-U-L-L-O-C-K, to explore their amazing products and support our podcast with every order. Yeah, I am loving their new deodorant. I got the coconut one. Which one did you get? That's the one I like the most. I also, I got the little sampler pack that they had right before Christmas. And so I got, you know, they had four different scents. One is rose, which I don't like things that smell like flowers. That's me just me. I gave it to my daughter-in-law and she was super excited when she was here. I was like, here you go. I was like, do you like rose? She's like, yes. I'm like, yay. Anyway, but the coconut and the lavender, I like both of those. And I just said, I don't like things that smell like flowers, but I like lavender. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a liar. No. But the lavender doesn't have that cloying right. scent that it's rose different. does. It, you know, it smells peaceful and healing to me. So I like it. But, you know, I've tried and tried to use a, a natural deodorant and they've all been a fail. So, so far, this one's great. Yeah, me too. And a lot of people, and I'm included, would start to have sensitivities with some of the natural deodorants and start to get a, a rash or whatever. So I would use them for a while and then they would start to irritate my skin. But don't quote me on this, but I believe their website has said 100% of people have reported no rash or irritation. That's good. I can't remember, but yeah, it's it's definitely one that's worth you know, worth trying if you've, like me, I've had to throw natural deodorants away before because they started to smell like BO over time. <laughs> when your deodorant smells bad, you know, it's itself, you know. <laughs> anyway. Well, I also learned a really good tip too. When you switch to natural deodorants, you have to like detox your armpits. And one thing that helps detox them is charcoal. And so I actually ordered the charcoal face mask. And once a week, you're supposed to just like, charcoal mask your armpits, <laughs> which sounds crazy. It does. But I don't feel like I had to really detox because I'm, this sounds gross, but when I'm at home, I don't wear deodorant anyway. I try to minimize my deodorant use. So like I only use it on days I'm going out or I'm going to go work out in hot Alabama or go to, you know, go to the store or whatever. But if I'm just lounging at home, I don't really wear deodorant religiously. Yeah, um, my husband a like tip. a three times a day deodorant wear. <laughs> so I feel like I probably had a little bit easier time, but there is a transition period where, you know, you have to kind of go through and get through it. But I haven't noticed any problems at all switching to this one. Well, that's good. All right. Are we ready for our life lesson of the week? This is a good one. Yes. So this week we are going to talk about emergency preparedness. And I'm not talking about stockpiling water or MREs and fuel. But rather, what happens if something suddenly happens to you or your loved one, whether it be an extensive hospital stay or even an untimely death? Unfortunately, during times of crisis, life still goes on around us. Like, are the bills going to get paid? How did the bills get paid? Who has access to your account information, payment details, or insurance information? And why is that important? This was something that was on my kind of when we get to it podcast subject list. But then a person actually posted in our Life Lessons community for help trying to sort through these things after her friend lost her husband suddenly. And I saw like it was really like something people are really, truly unprepared for. So we just brought it up to the top of the list and we're going to talk about it today. 
So the community member, her question was, I need ideas of what you did to prepare all of your important papers, passwords, and access to your pertinent information in case something happens to you or your spouse. Was there a method you used to make sure you were prepared? My close friend just lost her young and vibrant husband this week, and she literally does not know where all this information is. I not only want to help her navigate this, but I also want to get myself prepared so I am never in this situation. Are you prepared? What resources helped you? So that is really what we're going to dive into and explore today. It's such an important topic. And, you know, I'm thinking about how unprepared I am right now. I know all the things and my husband knows none of the things. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this brought up something that was really introduced to me probably a year or so ago. This is not a life lesson that I was ever taught, and it probably doesn't cross very many people's minds, but I think it's really super important to just discuss really quickly. I'm a huge crime junkie. Like, I love true crime. Um, My first career choice was to follow in my grandfather's steps and, you know, join law enforcement and be a detective. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me because you're good at tracking things down when... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like if someone is suspicious, you like, like, let's say we had someone in the Facebook group and we thought they might be, you know, a spammer. You can track them down. You're good at that. I'm very good at yeah. that. I can literally find anything. So I listened to this podcast called Crime Junkies and the two hosts of the show really brought up the importance of talking about and being prepared in the event of a violent crime like assault, robbery or murder. And nobody wants to think about that, but these things do happen. So they have created a document that you can download, and it walks you through all the information that police may need on the off chance that you are a victim of a violent crime and you're unable to be your own advocate. By having all the information all together in one place, you can actually save valuable time off the initial investigation, allowing the police access to your cell phone records, GPS location services on your phone, financial information, and providing them with important information regarding relationships in your life, your work hours and address, places you frequent, like the gym or, you know, you go to yoga twice a week or whatever. And it has all sorts of other identifying information that you just really wouldn't think of that could be helpful. In many cases, it could take days for investigators to gather all this information. Sometimes they have to get warrants to do it. And those are days that a perpetrator has to cover their tracks, eliminate evidence, and distance themselves from the crime. So the sooner that detectives are able to gather evidence and information, the more likely a crime would be solved. And additionally, if you're the victim of an abduction, being able to quickly track your location through like your cell phone is really imperative. So ideally, you would take this form or one like it, and you would fill it out and you would give it to people that you trust implicitly, like your best friend or a parent. Many people think they should just give it to their partner or spouse, but 15% of all violent crime is committed by an intimate partner. So I would really recommend your best friend or parent. So ideally, you know, you would never need to use this information, but it's still a really good idea just to be prepared to talk about this with your friends and family, have a plan and documentation in order. And um, if you want to get a copy of the document that they have prepared, you can go to crimejunkiespodcast.com and then you visit the tab labeled If I Go Missing. And I have also dropped that information into our show notes for today. Perfect. So um, hopefully we will never need that, but gosh. It happens, right? Have you ever thought about that? No. 
<laughs> I think my magical teacher power, I'll just look at them and know and would abduct me. No. <laughs> I really haven't, but that's really good advice. That's definitely something to do. I mean, that's, nobody ever told me, hey, you should have this information together no. in case something happens to you. Mm-hmm. So when I first heard them talk about that, I was like, wow, that's brilliant. Right. Uh, so scary. All right. So let's talk about some other reasons, you other things you may need to be prepared for to make sure that you're aware and have access to the important information regarding your personal finances, your bills, insurance. And again, I am speaking to myself here because... I'm just really not prepared. So this is this is going to be my um, inspiration to get it together. Me too. So, you know, most people think this is only needed if you're to die, but you could also suddenly fall ill, be in an accident, unable to communicate. You know, your household management still goes on. Your kids, your pets, your insurance companies, so many, so many details, so many pieces of information. Who do you want to be notified if you're critically ill or injured? Who do you not want to be notified? You also have to keep in mind, not just your spouse, because something could happen to both of you. You know, it needs to be, you have to keep in mind who else needs to have this information, you know, besides just you and your spouse. Exactly. That's, I remember when I was teaching, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can tell the story without crying. I'm going to try. Oh, okay. Can I? I don't know. This is back in the early 90s. I had a, a student in my class. I was a fourth grade teacher. It was either my first, second, or third year in the classroom. And um, this family, they were on a trip in the wintertime, and they were in a va- their minivan, and it went off a cliff, and the parents both died, and just the kids were, were left alone. And, you know, th- that family was left to have to, you know, with just these, these young kids. Mm-hmm. But both of the parents were just instantly gone. And so we really don't want to think about that, but we do. Yeah, and unfortunately, that happens more than you think because the front seat is the more dangerous place in the vehicle. And so your kids are in the back and the parents are in the front. So, and you know, when there's really devastating accidents, it's often the parents that both perish. Right, right. So anyway, sorry to, to tell that terrible story, but <laughs> I, I've never forgotten it. And, you know, when he came back to school and, you know, the family had a lot to go through, but you don't want also the family to be struggling to figure out, you know, the finances. So exactly. you know, consider it to be a gift for your family that you're providing. Again, talking to myself here. So let's just talk about household management first. Let's say that you're in the hospital, you have a sudden illness or injury, you know, things are still going to be going on at, at your house, you need to come home to the electricity is still being on rather than, you know, shut off notices or collection letters. So ask yourself these questions, you know, how do you pay your bills? Do they auto draft from an account? Are they, you know, they go through a bill pay? How can you set it up to be automated in case, you know, there, there needs to be something like that? Or is there somebody that, you know, you can trust to make sure your account has money in it or someone that could, could manage this for you? And how do you get this information to them? If you're not going to be home for an extended period of time, who's going to go in and and do things around the house that might need doing, you know, adjusting the thermostat, the water, things like that, the water heater, your home mortgage, you know, a lot of these things you can automate and they'll just naturally, you know, come out like my mortgage is is automated is yours. I imagine it is. Mine is. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But some things like not the electric bill, because that's different every month. So that's not automated. There are so many people too, and I guess I didn't really realize this, who still only write checks to pay their bills. Really? Are there? 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a lady friend who lives here in Alabama. I met her through a little coffee meetup. Um, she was one of your intermittent fasting people. And she will frequently call me and tell me she wants to order this pan or that pan as a gift from Pampered Chef. And she mails a check to my house Aww. and then I pay for it. So she does not do any bill pay or wow. anything. Yep. Well, you know what? My mother, my mother doesn't do anything electronic. Nothing. Mm-hmm. And my mother lives in Virginia. My dad and my stepmother live here, but my mother's in Virginia. She has a cell phone and that is it. And it's not a smartphone. Wow. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those that you open up, you know, flip phone, whatever. She still has right. that kind of phone. And yeah, that's the only electronic device she has other than like a television. That's mm-hmm. it. So yeah, there are people like that. Yeah. So like I, you know, in my house, I pay all the bills, like the usernames. Like I was as I'm, you know, working on this episode, I was like, oh my gosh, this is me. I, my husband, I've been together for six, six and a half years. He is not on my checking account. The house is not in his name. Neither the cars are in his name. It is oh literally my all mine. Uh-oh. I pay all the bills. I don't even think he probably knows the name of our natural gas company. No, mine he doesn't would, either. He wouldn't know where to start. And I do everything like automated through the companies usually where it's auto draft. There's a few bills I still pay like manually once a month, but he would be lost and he doesn't have access to my checking account. So he wouldn't be able to pay the bills in the house to stay in the house. Wow. I mean, like this was like a huge, like oh a wake up call. So I know what we're going to be doing over the next week, right? <laughs> <laughs> we need a plan. So when it comes to children and animals, you really do need an emergency plan. This is going to be especially important if you live alone and especially if you are a single parent without local family support. I know there are a lot of single women out there with kids who just don't have a lot of family support. So you need to figure out in advance, you know, if there's an emergency, which family member or friend is willing and able to keep your kids safe and cared for in your absence? And if you're in the hospital trying to heal from an injury or illness, the last thing you want to be doing is, you know, stressing out and worrying about whether or not your kids are taken care of. If there is a family member that you absolutely do not want your kids staying with, you need to make that known as well. Some people wrongly assume that family is best, but depending on a lot of family dynamics and history, that's not always the case. So if that's true for you, you really want to make sure that people know your wishes in advance. It is known that in times of stress, kids do better when their environment stays constant. So ideally, you would have a plan in place where a friend, neighbor, or family member would come into your home and stay with their kids. That's going to be the least disruptive and stressful thing for them. Um, And if that's not a possibility, where will they stay? Make sure that person or persons is on the emergency list at your children's daycare and school. That way you can make sure you can, they can pick up your child, drop them off and obtain information about them in your absence. That's really, really important. You know, as a, as a retired teacher, I want to reiterate that because schools these days, they're not going to release children to anyone who is not on that emergency list. So, you know, imagine how terrifying it would be if your children are there and the school can't release them to anybody. Yeah. I mean, my son's last high school here in Alabama, you had to speak to them through a speaker in the office before they would even let you in the front door. And you had to show them your driver's license and you had to tell them which child you were affiliated with. And if then they had to look to see that you are affiliated with that child. And 
if you weren't there, you know, for a child related reason, and you had to really explain why you were there, they wouldn't even let you in the door. They won't. Yeah, they won't even unlock the door for you. Right. That's the same where I was too. Yeah. Also, animals. Who is going to keep your animals? Or go to your house to feed and water them, let them outside, take them on walks. Make sure that you have a key or access code to your home, including your alarm code, if necessary, um, available to whoever's, you know, been arranged to do this in your absence. And I know this made me think about my grandparents. They lived in a farming community and they had horses and cattle and they had an arrangement with a neighboring farmer. And if they were unable to care for their animals, he would care for their animals that neighbor had sons to take care of his animals, but my dad and my uncle lived over an hour away. So they weren't really able to help my grandparents out. But um, this man was a godsend. My my grandfather um, was in a car accident, had a bad head injury and was hospitalized and in rehab for months. And this man took care of their, wow. their animals for them. Um, if you don't have a person who can keep them or watch them, you want to at least have some plan in place, maybe with an animal border or your vet where, you know, you have an account set up, they know your animal's history, they have their, you know, documentation of their shots and all that, so that, you know, in the event of emergency, somebody could take them there and drop them off. That's important. All right. So in the event of an emergency, you're going to want somebody to have access to all of your insurance information as well. So think about that. You think about all the different insurances that you have. We have a lot. We have car insurance, health insurance, disability accident insurance, accidental death, life insurance. So all of this insurance information needs to be collected somewhere in a, in a location where people can access it. You know, I can remember when when my grandmother died, having to figure out, you know, some of these accounts and what everything was. And, you know, there could be, these accounts could be sitting there still, you know, like life insurance and not even, you know, claimed Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really important too. I will just say from personal experience, my, when my brother passed away, you know, my parents didn't have access to his life insurance information and um, they had to take a second mortgage out on their home like quickly in order to pay off his funeral costs Wow! until, you know, they were able to get the insurance information sorted out. Yeah. So make sure, you know, check with your insurance company to find out what kind of forms you need. Do you need an authorization of personal information release form, things like that, but check with each company because they all have different rules and regulations and forms. Yes. Yeah. That, and that was a great tip. I didn't even, you know, think about that. It's an actual legal document that you can request and sign and, and have, on file on your account. And something I read said that, you know, it may need to be updated every so often, that it's only good for a certain period of time. So there are lots of ways to record all this information. I mean, we're talking accounts, usernames and passwords, financial information, who you, you owe money to each month, who do you pay your bills to? So we'll get into some of those suggestions from our community members in a bit. But first, let's briefly talk about legalities. And Jen and I are not attorneys, so we cannot provide you legal advice. We really urge you to speak to an attorney who specializes in these matters in order to protect yourself, your assets, and your wishes. In case an emergency comes up, you really need to have a plan. And although a spouse has many rights under the contract of marriage, it does vary from state to state, and there are a lot of limitations. So for instance, if you own something jointly, your spouse cannot sell that item Say you need long-term care, 
you need to be admitted to a long-term care facility and they need, you know, access to funds to pay for that. If you are incapacitated and you cannot sign off on that, they cannot sell that property. Wow. So additionally, if you, if only one spouse holds stocks or property, the other spouse does not have access to it without a power of attorney. So for instance, your husband has money available and he's sick and you want to access it to care for him. Unless he's already filled out a power of attorney giving you that right, you cannot sell off, you know, any stocks or anything to get access to that money. Um, And this just really could cause a lot of problems for, you know, your loved ones in the event that they're trying to take care of you. So this is where a legal document called a power of attorney comes in. And it's suggested that some couples wish to engage a separate a power of attorney, somebody outside of their marriage. That way they aren't personally involved or responsible in the decision making. Also, in the case that Jen brought up earlier, if you are both involved in an accident, this gives another family member or friend the ability to help care for you. In many cases, people will just actually appoint somebody that, you know, that they trust that will take on this role. You want to keep a separate medical power of attorney and a separate financial power of attorney and not lump them into one. It's best just to keep these areas separate. It was described like you don't want your doctors to have access to your financial information and you wouldn't want people with your financial powers able to make healthcare decisions for you. That it's really best to keep those two things separated. So if you don't have, you know, a, a medical power of attorney and a financial power of attorney and decisions need to be made quickly, everything could go into a court managed conservatorship or guardianship. And that can just be very time consuming and also very costly. Yeah. It's so important to have an attorney in your area because you know it varies so much from state to state. My college roommate, we're still great friends, and she's an attorney, and they they have a law practice, and so they do this type of work. And you know, she talks about how hard it can be, even for an attorney, you know, to deal with a bank, for example, and you know, this form and that form, and and the regulations vary. So you really have to find an attorney that specializes in this type of work. And, you know, particularly for your state, because it's so complicated. Also, one thing to have in mind is, you know, do you have a living will? And that's another legal document that you want. And you can, you know, choose somebody who you really want to make these decisions for you um, to help make decisions along with your healthcare team to honor your wishes for advanced healthcare treatment. Like if you had a terminal illness, an accident, if you were in a coma, or if you had dementia, you know, you're not able to make your own decisions, but you know what you want. Types of issues that are addressed in living wills would be, you know, do you want CPR? Do you want intubation, tube feeding, dialysis, palliative care, organ donation, things like that. Again, just as with the other stuff, these types of documents and legal requirements are going to vary from state to state and also need to be updated. You want to talk to someone who um, really specializes in these types of documents. And I want to throw in one thing that my, my friend told me, my friend that's the attorney. You know, they have these websites that claim to do all this for you for like really cheap. She said, don't use those. Really? Yeah. You know, there's one you hear. I'm not going to say the name of it because people might go <laughs> go use it. But the one <laughs> you may have heard of, she's like, oh, don't use those. And that's not just because she's trying to sell you her services because, I mean, she can't do anything for me. She lives in Virginia. But just as an attorney, 
she's like, yeah, that do not use those. You need to go to, to a real person who's going to help you with your situation. But, you know, it may, it's going to cost more, but you know, it's worth it. This is one of those areas you don't want to skimp. Well, I mean, these are people who have studied this. They know this. They know the ins and the outs of the laws. So you may be able to get access to the right documents to file them legally. But if you don't understand what you're filing or what you're writing in the document, you know, it may not have the outcome that you thought it was going to have. Yeah, there's a caveat or an unexpected loophole or something you didn't know. So yeah, it's really important. Right. Well, when contemplating, you know, your death or that of a loved one, it can really bring up powerful emotions and even fear in a lot of people. So really, people just tend to put off planning for these events because it's one of those things like out of sight, out of mind. You're right. That's why I haven't done it. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm going to live forever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I've got years to do this. So much time. Yeah. And you just never know. So in the event that something does happen to you, the best gift you can give your loved one is peace of mind. And you just want to ease the situation for them. It's so it's a stressful time. So anything you can do and have ready in advance is really, you know, going to help them work through the process. There's so much involved in estate planning, and we've touched on a little bit of it here, but it's way too extensive to get into all of it in this episode. It was interesting for me to find out that recent studies show that 78% of adults aged 18 to 36 and 82% of adults 55 and over do not have an estate plan. What? 82, that means only 18% of Americans over the age of 55 have an estate plan. So if that describes you, do not hesitate to speak to an attorney who specializes in estate planning. Uh, One of the first steps is to gather all your financial and insurance information and have a system and strategy for keeping it up to date. And you want that information accessible to a trusted individual in case they should need it. Many of our community members offered, you know, really great solutions on how to gather this information. I mean, like, I'm sure we gave you some ideas of things you need to, you know, keep in mind and have a plan for. But I'm sure as you read through some of these planning tools that are available out there, you're going to, like, find all sorts of things that, you know, we didn't even cover. There's so much. So we're going to, we are going to share some of our community member solutions. And this one comes from Teresa. And she says, I read an article years ago to create an I love you file. I actually love the name of that, you know, because you're doing it for someone you love. And Teresa says, I've done this ever since. It's not as complete as it should be, but it's a spreadsheet that I update yearly at tax time with all user IDs, passwords, and important dates membership payments, et cetera, along with the HR contact info for my work, all our life insurance info, and a list of the yearly appointments I schedule for the kids. My husband has a copy in a safe in the basement, and it's on our laptop in a folder. I think that's a great idea. Let me make sure people know how to get it, how to get to it. Yeah, and I would have never thought about the HR contact info, but I asked my husband once, you know, if I should die, what would you do? What step would you first take? He's like, I don't know. I guess I'd call your work and ask him how I get access to your life insurance. <laughs> like that was as far as he went with that. Yeah. So I have to give him credit though, because I wouldn't have thought about that. So Angela, she says, I'm old school, but I have started a binder with tabs that has all our important information, insurance, major bills, retirement, and asset accounts. 
they're all in their own tab. I bought dividers with tabs at Walmart and they have pockets. Therefore, I don't have to punch holes in my important documents. I have a lot of work to do to finish compiling it, but my plan is to review and update it once per year. And Anne had the same system and she said, I have a binder as well that contains birth and marriage certificates, car titles, deeds to the house, life insurance papers, our will. And if something changes, I update the binder immediately. It is kept in the safe and our grown children know how to access it. That's a great idea. Marcy shared, important papers are in the safety deposit box at the bank as well as a safe here at the house. We also gave a copy to our adult children just in case. My husband and I used the same passcodes to get into our phone, so we have access to each other's stuff in there as well. It's worth it to contact a lawyer for a will or trust and living wills, etc. And Jennifer is a community member who is also an estate planning attorney, and she has tips about safety deposit boxes. A lot of people wrote in and said they have their stuff in a safety deposit box. She wrote, You should definitely keep your wills, trusts, power of attorneys in your home in a fire safe box rather than in a safety deposit box. It causes problems when the will is in the safety deposit box because the authority for a loved one to have access to the box is locked in the box. (laughs) That's so true. Yeah. And she said also digital rights provisions in your documents are so important. I don't know what that is. What are digital rights provisions? Well, I'm going to tell you about that later. Oh, okay. Good. (laughs) Kimberly Smith has a recommendation. She says, we use an app called 1Password. It's locked with a master password and then can store not only username and password, but secure notes, driver's license information, etc. You can create multiple folders and share some or all of them with others. We have an envelope with the master password in with our wills, etc. Another thing to consider is adding a section on digital rights to your will. Oh, there we go. (laughs) Which basically authorizes the executor to be able to access all your online accounts, bills, bank, Facebook, etc. So this is going to answer your question, Jen. (laughs) What are digital rights? So I'd never heard of these until these last two suggestions. And according to nolo.com, which is just a company whose mission is to help like everyday people understand like legal and business type questions. The term digital assets refers to all of the digital files and online accounts you own and use on your computers, phones, tablets, or other devices. Digital assets include social media accounts, digital photos, email, online financial documents and accounts, software and copyright licenses, and many other types of less than tangible goods and services. As a general rule, all digital assets that you own that are transferable will be included in your estate when you die. You can use your will to determine who will get the right to the digital assets. Transferable digital assets certainly include anything that is worth money, but they also include things that may have more of a sentimental value. If you own it and you can transfer it, you should be able to include it in your will. And examples of that would be funds in a PayPal account, funds owed to you by an online store like Amazon or Etsy, Bitcoins, digital music or photos that you own, frequent flyer miles. If you don't name a specific beneficiary for these digital assets, they will pass to your residuary beneficiary or beneficiaries. Your 
executor, the person who wraps up your estate after you die, they will need access to your digital assets, even if none of them are passed through your will. Your executor may need access to your digital assets to pay bills, distribute property, or follow any instructions you leave about what to do with your digital files or online accounts. Wow. That's a lot, but that's good. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. Like hmm, podcast episodes. Those are our, it's our digital, digital accounts, right? <laughs> it, it is. And then I know so many people just use Facebook as a way to store their photos, photos and their memories and your loved ones may want access to that. Absolutely. But if you don't give them your digital rights, then they can't accept, access them. That's a great point. So one member shared that her parents had signed a blank check and given it to her to keep in case of an emergency so she would have access to their money. But Kayla shares her insight as a banker. She says, I work at a bank and we watch obituaries. We put a hold on accounts and will no longer negotiate checks drawn on the account. Consider having someone be on your account as a joint owner or have your account made payable on death to a recipient so that they can have access to emergency funds if needed. Um, Because, you know, depending on where you live, it's probably illegal to withdraw money from an open account of someone who has died unless you're actually a joint holder on the account or you have informed the bank of the death and been granted an order of probate from a court to do so. So that's really, really important to keep in mind. So talk to an estate planning attorney if possible, because, you know, there's very state specific guidelines for you to follow. We'll have some more pros and cons in the show notes if you want to learn more. We had several products recommended to help organize all of the important information. Kate says, I got a book called Get It Together. Organize your records so your loved ones don't have to from Amazon. It is incredibly comprehensive. It gives simple instructions on creating a notebook using only the information that applies to you rather than just filling in or skipping workbook pages. You actually print out the pages you need, leaving the book intact. It also tells where to find important papers that you may want to keep outside of the notebook, such as a will, trust, healthcare directive, insurances, care of children, pets, and so much more. It's set up to work on it a little at a time and it's easily updated. This has been the most important project during this quarantine, and I've sent copies to all of my sisters as well. And Susan recommends a book called Peace of Mind Planner, Important Information About My Belongings, Business Affairs, and Wishes. Caroline recommends one called I'm Dead, Now What? I like the name of that one. Short and sweet. (laughs) Allison recommends another one called Everything You Need to Know When I'm Gone. End of Life Planner for Affairs and Last Wishes, a simple guide for my family to make my passing easier. So all of those are available to purchase online, and I'm sure there's something out there for everybody. If you aren't sure where to start, one of our community members posted a PDF that you can print. It is a 64-page guide, and it is in our Facebook page under Files, and any member of our Facebook community can access that. It is called You and Your Survivors. And that's at Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry Facebook group. Yeah. So here's something to consider, too, that when I was doing some research, this kept coming up. Make sure that the person who is left to take care of things after you pass actually has the fortitude to handle these sorts of affairs. When choosing an executor, it's not personal. So don't just choose the oldest child. 
If your oldest child is not great at handling finances or they just don't handle stressful situations well, you know, consider somebody else who you know can actually handle the pressure of this job because it is a really stressful time and not everybody's able to do it. I know without a doubt that my husband would not be able to handle any of this. He would just emotionally shut down. So he, I mean, he has told me if I passed away, he would literally leave our house with the clothes on his back. He would never sleep here again. And I said, what would you do with the house? And he's like, I don't know. I would have an estate sale, I guess, and have somebody take care of it. So obviously my husband is not the right person to, you know, be the executor of my estate. He's just not, he's just not going to handle that well. So I'll have to sit down with an attorney and do some estate planning and then, uh, you know, make a will and trust and figure out who's going to be in charge of all of that. Yeah, that's so important. I feel motivated to do it as well. I really see a lot of loose ends. I've got a lot of files and they're well organized, but I need to get some of these things in place. I hope that we've given all of you something to think about because it's time. You know, if if this pandemic has taught us nothing else, it should have taught us that life is unpredictable and the best laid plans can go awry. And, you know, it's not just needing toilet paper. We need other things too. We need to have our lives in order. So this, doing this episode has been the push that I need to get my affairs in better order. And hopefully hearing it will be the push that you need. And, you know, we just, we put stuff like this off. It's not fun to think about. And, you know, we don't want to think about it, but we don't want to leave our loved ones with a mess. The greatest gift we can give them is peace of mind. And that would be, you know, planning ahead. So if you need help finding an attorney, you know, ask around, ask your accountant, ask your financial advisor, ask your friends, you know, ask them for a referral. Ask another attorney that you've worked with, like maybe the person who did the house closing for you. You know, they know who who to recommend. You know, the same attorney that did your house closing might not be the same one who can do this, but they know they know who's good. You can even ask, you know, the the court clerks at your local probate court. They know. They are gonna know who comes in with organized oh, yeah. stuff. That's probably I'd just go straight there. <laughs> the clerk, they're gonna know. Do not I thought that was here. a great situation or a great so. suggestion. So before we get to the listener-led lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast. Jen and I are so excited to share a brand new affiliate with you. Like, I'm like bouncing in my chair excited excited right now. Yeah. So we have partnered with Thrive Markets, which is an online membership-based market making the highest quality, healthy, and sustainable products available for every budget, lifestyle, and geography. So both of us live in communities that we just don't have access to specialty stores and some great products that many people do. And our options for organic, non-GMO, sustainable, and clean products are pretty slim. It's really I mean, my- bad. We had a Whole Foods and it closed. That's how our community does not support. <laughs> I mean, you know, that is bad. You know, our community was so unsupportive that Whole Foods couldn't make it. Yeah. I shop at Publix and we have an area that's like maybe... You know, it's a regular grocery shelf high, and then it might be four feet wide. And it's mainly like weird chips and dehydrated mushrooms. <laughs> I'm <laughs> Lots of popcorn, yeah. lots of organic popcorn on that shelf. So, I mean, not a lot of options. I'll stop and look at it and I'll be like, well, I don't see what I'm looking for there. So with the membership to Thrive Market, we now have access to the quality foods and clean products that we desire in order to support our healthiest, best lives. 
They have a carefully curated product selection that can be filtered by over 70 dietary and lifestyle needs. They offer member-only deals, rewards, and free full-sized product gifts. You can stock your pantry with staples, snacks, and family-safe cleaning products and pet supplies at prices that are often cheaper than you can get in a regular specialty store. You get all of this for less than $5 a month, and all orders over $49 ship for free. You find out more at lifelessonscommunity.com forward slash thrive market. And when you use our link that is found there, you help support this podcast. It really is great. I found so many things that I wouldn't be able to find here locally. Yeah. It was exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really love soups, but, you know, sometimes I don't want to make a big batch of soup. And so I ordered a bunch of like organic, like chicken barley soup and, and they're not full of weird ingredients and MSG and all that stuff. So I feel good about eating them. The prices are really good. They really are. Mm -hmm. So join today and become a member and tell us what you like. All right. So let's move on to this week's listener-led lesson. These might be a life hack, a book recommendation, a special recipe, a kitchen tip, or anything along those lines. Today's listener-led lesson comes from Lori. She describes herself as a super thrifty shopper and wants to pass her shopping hacks on to you. She says, first of all, credit cards are safer than debit cards for online shopping. They offer more protection to you in case of fraud. She says, follow your favorite brands and companies on social media so that you can be kept up to date on exclusive sales and promos. When shopping online, sleep on your cart like you're sleeping on it. When you fill your cart, leave it until the next day. Sometimes the vendor will email you a coupon to complete your purchase, saving you money. And it also helps stop you from those impulse buys that we're all so guilty of. And then the next day, you can reassess your cart to see if you really need that purchase. She says if you're running into the store for one or two items, don't get a shopping cart. That'll keep you from making those impulse purchases as you're going through the store. Although it doesn't stop me, Sherry. I just end up with so many things in my arms that I can bear. <laughs> I'm the same way. They're stacked up to my chin. Yeah, I'm sure you're going to have it's still a good suggestion, but you know, eventually you have to stop adding things to your arms. Right. Um, when you get to a checkout, especially at a specialty store, ask if they have any coupons or discounts available. It never hurts to ask. And if an item is slightly damaged or imperfect, you might be able to negotiate a discount. Um, also, connect to a store's Wi-Fi and you might be rewarded with a coupon for that day's purchase, especially in a mall or shopping center where many stores are competing for your business. Thank you, Lori. Those were some great tips. At the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener. Today's quote comes from Joan from Houston. Her quote is, don't try to be perfect. Just try to be better than you were yesterday. She says, this is a great quote for a perfectionist like me to be reminded of often. I have realized over the years that my perfectionism led me to not trying many things and not doing many things because I wasn't sure if I could complete the task perfectly. If I couldn't, I wouldn't even bother. And I used all kinds of tricks to make myself and others believe that I would just get to it eventually. and I just didn't have the time right then. My own mother battled cancer, raised us five kids, and seemed to do so perfectly, never becoming overwhelmed or tired or complaining of needing a break. If she did, she hit it all so very well. As my own kids started to get older, I realized that my statuesque facade of being tough and able to handle everything well, all of the time, was leading them to copy me. 
I didn't want them growing up with that pressure, so I quickly changed my ways. I wish I had figured it all out earlier for their sake and mine, but better late than never. That's a really good tip, you know, because we pass on, look, it should be easy. Watch me. Make it look easy. Uh-huh. Let them see that it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good tip. Thank you so very much, Joan. Well, this is the end of another great episode. I want to thank everyone for joining us today. Don't forget, if you haven't already, join our Facebook community. It's called Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry, and I just love it there. Such a great community. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening now, and we would love for you to leave a review specifically on iTunes so that we can help reach others. That's how a lot of people decide what podcasts to listen to. Do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. Until next week, thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.